Welcome back to the boy from Splendora, Texas. The Shotgun by Wallace Gibbs. Coming up next on KIKK 96FM is one of my favorite songs, Don't Cry Joni by Conway Twitty. The DJ said as a melody began to play on the radio. I want to be Jimmy this time, Charlotte announced from the back seat of our 1972 Galaxy 500. I'll be Joni, Gina added as we pulled out of Hayden's grocery store headed towards the house. Charlotte began to sing along with the female voice on the radio. Jimmy, please say you wait for me. I'll grow up someday, you'll see. Saving all my kisses just for you. Signed with love forever true. As Conway Twitty started singing on the radio, Gina joined in. Joni was the girl who lived next door. I've known her, I guess, ten years or more. Joni wrote me a note one day, and this is what she had to say. I heard Charlotte start again as I stared at the faint green glow that was coming from the radio. When Conway Twitty's part came back on, Gina took over. Charlotte began again with the female voice. And then right as we reached Christine's curve, Gina picked up the next verse. At the very last chorus, all five of us joined in and sang, Jimmy, Jimmy, please don't cry. You'll forget me by and by. It's been five years since you've been gone. Jimmy, I married your best friend, John. Gina pulled the car into the driveway as the last notes of the song drifted out of the speakers. As I opened the door and stepped out of the car, I could see Brother Nelson and Daddy leaning against the butane tank talking. I need to see if he has any more gum for me to sell, Gina stated. Brother Nelson was our next-door neighbor on the east side. He was the same age as my mother, which put him ten years younger than Daddy. Brother Nelson worked for a company that built packaging machines. Recently, his company began building a machine that packaged gumballs, and to test the machines, the company had to buy thousands of gumballs to make sure the machine would load weigh and seal the gumballs so that they could be shipped to different distributors. After all the tests had been completed, Brother Nelson brought the gumballs home and split them between his son Glenn and my sister Gina. He told them both that if they took them to school, they could sell the gum to other students and make some extra money. Gina took her stash to school and in less than a week she made enough money to take me, Virgil, Gail, and Charlotte to the Texan Theater in Cleveland to see a movie. I waved to Brother Nelson and headed into the house. Wallace, you need to go and get the eggs, 
Mama said as I entered the kitchen. Can I get them later? I asked. Virgil and I want to go for a bicycle ride. I guess, Mama sighed. Virgil and I dropped our school books on the desk in our room and then headed to get our bicycles that were parked in the old garage. Where do you want to go? Virgil inquired. Let's go riding down Horseshoe Bend, I suggested. The two of us took a right turn out of the driveway and rode single file along the shoulder of FM 2090. About an eighth of a mile up, we took a right turn onto Relza Drive, also known as Horseshoe Bend, a dirt road that made a U-shape that re-emerged about a quarter of a mile down FM 2090 in between the Phillies and the Nowaks. Because the road was sparsely populated, there was no traffic on it, and we could ride side by side as we talked and we rode. I went to Mr. Pezzle's store last night with Gina to get some milk, I began. Mama gave Gina a $10 bill to pay for the milk. When Mr. Pezzle was giving her back the change, I asked him if he had any bicentennial coins in the register. He told me that it was my lucky day. He had a bicentennial silver dollar that he had gotten earlier from someone. I asked him if I could buy it from him, and he pulled it out of the register and exchanged it for one of the dollar bills that he had just given to Gina. Wow, Virgil remarked, how many of those do you have now? That makes four of them. I also have seven 50-cent pieces that are bicentennial and ten bicentennial quarters. Do they make a bicentennial nickel or dime? Virgil asked. I don't think so. I have never seen one. Me either. I'm still collecting my NFL pencils from that machine next to Mr. Dabney's office, Virgil remarked. Did you get any good ones this week? I asked. I got the Oakland Raiders, and you know what? Their colors are very similar to the Dallas Cowboys. That's cool. You'll have to show it to me when we get back home. Virgil and I continued around Relza Drive and took a ride on FM 2090, eventually winding up at the bridge that crossed the San Jacinto River. We rode down the embankment, followed a small dirt road that led to the bank of the river. We both got off our bikes and watched the river slowly flow by. See those wood poles over there? I said to Virgil as I pointed to the opposite side of the bank. Yep, that's where the old bridge used to be, I explained. It was a solid wooden bridge, and you could only go one direction at a time. If someone was on the bridge going the opposite direction, you'd have to wait until they got off the bridge before you could cross. That's cool, Virgil said. Yep, One time, I was riding with Daddy and Mama on our way to Cleveland, and there was a log truck on the bridge. Daddy had to pull over at the entrance and wait for him to cross. I didn't think that bridge would hold that much weight, but it did. Gina said that one time, we were all in the car coming back from Cleveland, and it was raining really hard. By the time that Daddy got to the river, the water was already up to the bottom of the bridge, and it was flowing fast underneath. She said that Daddy got out of the car to look at the water. He then got back in and slowly drove across. 
Gina said that it scared us all to death and that everyone was crying until Daddy got to the other side. I don't remember that, Virgil said. I don't either, I replied. This new concrete bridge sure is nice, but it sure is loud when those log trucks go across it. Virgil said. We returned to our bikes and began the trip back home. As we entered the driveway, we saw Gina returning from the pasture. Where have you two been? She asked. We rode down to the river, I replied. I went looking for you. Mama has supper on the table. The three of us entered the garage and went into the utility room. Boys, take off your shoes, Mama commanded. I just cleaned the floors. Mama did not believe in carpeting because she felt that it wore out too quickly, got dirty, and was hard to clean. About twice a year, Mama would chase everyone out of the house to begin the semi-annual waxing of the floors. First, she would pick up any items laying around and then thoroughly sweep the house. Next, she would go to her hall closet and retrieve her Electrolux machine, which was used for most of the floor servicing process. The Electrolux stood vertically with a chrome handle that was about four feet high. The motor and the housing were at floor level. The housing was a sky blue color. On the underside of the triangular-shaped machine were three recesses where the brushes were attached. Each brush was well bristled and contained the male end of a snap, which allowed the attachment of a variety of pads. Mama would attach a really coarse pad to the machine and spread a liquid wax stripper on the floor. When she clicked the switch to the own position, the machine would come alive with a whirring sound. Mama would grab a hold of the handle with both hands and began guiding the machine across the floor. She made it look so easy, so I was quite shocked to see how unwieldy the machine was when she let me try it one time. After stripping the wax off the floor, Mama replaced the coarse pad with a different type of pad that would spread wax across the tile while the machine hummed around the house. The final step was to replace the pads one last time with a chamois cloth that polished the floors. For several days afterwards, the floors would gleam brightly. Gina, Virgil, and I took off our shoes and left them in the utility room. As we walked into the kitchen, we could see that the table had been set. Wallace, move, Mama said as she made her way to the table with a big pot of steaming hot vegetable soup. Gail followed her with cornbread that had been cooked in Mama's giant black skillet. Go wash your hands, Mama commanded. Yes, ma'am, we said in unison and headed to the back of the house. As we returned to the table, I slid into the middle position on the bench. Virgil slid around behind Daddy and joined me on the bench, and then Charlotte sat down beside me. Gail, Gina, and Mama all took their places at the table. Bow your heads, Daddy commanded. As I put my hands together and bowed my head, Daddy began, Our Father in Heaven. Daddy always prayed with a certain reverence. It was never fake. It was always sincere. When he prayed, you knew that God was held in a place of authority with Daddy. You always knew that Daddy loved the Lord, and he trusted the Lord to provide for us and protect us. He was our father.
Amen, we all said. Charlotte, can you cut me a piece of cornbread on my plate? Uh, Gail, can you pass the butter? We ate supper and conversation sprouted up as everyone told about their day. As we finished up, the girls got up and began to clear the table and clean the kitchen. Little house on the prairie begins in 15 minutes, I informed everyone. As a family, we sat down in the living room and watched as Laura Ingalls and her family went through their adventures. I sure hate that Nellie Olson, I said. She is so mean. You know, Gail began, there is a boy in the fifth grade that looks just like Albert. I can't believe how much they look alike. I've seen him before, Virgil said. He had lunch right after me. I think that he's going to be in the sixth grade when we start school in August, I informed. After Little House on the Prairie was over, Mama gave instructions for the TV to be turned off. Y'all go read a book or something, she said. We all went to our rooms. The evening drifted into night. At about 9.30, I could hear Mama rummaging through the kitchen. Suddenly, I heard, Wallace, did you get the eggs? My heart sank. I had forgotten. No, ma'am, I shouted from the room. Get out there and go get the eggs and lock the chickens up now. The chickens had to be locked up every night to prevent predators from getting into the chicken house, uh, like possums or cats or owls, etc. Can I get them in the morning, please? I begged. Wallace, you know better than that. You know that raccoons or snakes will get those eggs before sunrise. And I want you to grab the egg basket and go get those eggs. Can Virgil come with me? No, she said. Virgil needs to go to bed. Then can Charlotte come with me, please? I said. I don't want to go to that stinking chicken yard tonight. I've already done all my chores, Charlotte yelled from her room. Please, oh please, don't make me go out there by myself, I whined. Mother had had enough and told me to go do my chores. I grabbed the egg basket and a flashlight, then went out to the garage where I put on my rubber boots. As I stepped out the back door, Snowdrop, our family dog, met me and followed me to the backyard gate. The crickets were singing, and every once in a while I could hear an owl hooting in the distance. I reached the chicken coop and shined the light into the chicken house to make sure everything was okay. Jekyll, my pet banty hen, looked at me questioningly. I quickly closed and latched the door, then I made my way over to the egg hutches. It was very difficult to hold the flashlight, the egg basket, and try to collect the eggs at the same time, so I set the flashlight down on the ground with the beam pointing upwards towards the hutches that were three feet off the ground. On a good day, we got 10 to 12 eggs from our chickens. This was generally enough to keep our family of seven supplied with what we needed. There was a total of 10 hutches, five on the top row and five on the bottom row. I picked the flashlight up and shined it into each of the five holes on the bottom row. There were no eggs in the first hole two eggs in the second, one in the third, and none in the fourth hold. Suddenly there was a shriek. I quickly reached down and grabbed the flashlight and I peered into the last hole. Dead gummit Freckles, you scared me half to death. I said to Freckles, 
another little banty hen. I don't think Mama wants you setting on any eggs. I gently picked Freckles up, opened the chicken coop, and set her inside with the rest of the hens. I returned to the hutches and collected the three eggs that had been underneath Freckles and then set the flashlight down again because it was a real stretch for me to reach the upper row of hutches. Man, I thought to myself, I really hate being out here all alone. I jammed my hand into the first hole, only to discover that there were no eggs. I did the same for the next two holes. In the fourth hole, I stuck my hand right into a pile of chicken poop. Dead gummit, I yelled out loud. Why did you have to go and poop in your own nest? Sometimes you're such stupid birds. I went to the water spigot and washed the poop off my hands. Only one more to go, I said to myself. As I reached into the last hutch, I immediately knew that something was not right. The entire bottom of the nest started moving. Suddenly, just like in movies, everything was in slow motion. I let out a blood-curdling scream like someone was chopping me to pieces while at the same time I started stumbling backwards in the chicken pen. The snake was none too happy and began to uncoil out of the hutch. This only increased the volume of my screams. The light next to the back garage door flicked on and both Mom and Daddy came running out of the house. What's wrong? Daddy yelled. All I could scream was, Snake! Daddy shouted to Mama to go get the shotgun while he ran towards the chicken yard. Daddy pushed me away from the snake that was now fully uncoiled at five to six feet long and had a girth about the size of a can of biscuits. Daddy grabbed a nearby stick to try and hold the snake at bay. The snake was angrily writhing under the stick. Mama appeared with the shotgun and gave it to Daddy. He lifted the snake he lifted the stick away from the snake's body and took a few step backs, carefully aiming the gun. Bam! The shot blew the snake's head off. As I watched the snake's body writhing around, Daddy turned to me and asked if I was all right, and I nodded, my head trying not to cry. <clears throat> I hate snakes. Gene, is everything okay? I heard Brother Nelson yell from his house. Wallace found a chicken snake. Everything is good, Daddy yelled back. That's good to hear. Good night. Good night, Nelson. Daddy and I began walking towards the house, with Mama following behind. Did you learn your lesson about collecting the eggs before dark? Mama asked. Yes, ma'am, I said somberly. I think we have some bluebell vanilla ice cream in the freezer. Why don't we all go get us a bowl? Daddy suggested. That sounds good to me, I said as we entered the garage through the back door. Thank you for joining me with this episode of The Shotgun by Wallace Gibbs.